Hey, if you think you might be lost because you got lots of your thoughts, I'll be informed. Or if you're feeling like a fool, cause you've been used just like a tool since you were born. Hey, if you're trying to get through life, then friend, I've got some great advice for not growing horns. They say that ignorance is bliss, but if you knew, then you'd be pissed, so get informed. Anyway, welcome to... <laughs> Getting Welcome to Getting Informed, a leftist literature podcast <sighs> with your host. Uh, that's me. I'm Colin Orton. It's fresh from the smoke inhalation, and uh, <laughs> I am joined by Al Gropey. Al Gropey, fresh from a COVID hotspot, <laughs> who I am joined by. And I'm Gary. Fresh from my empty apartment last night, I took the mouse corpse outside. (laughs) (laughs) Gang shit. And today, we, in our unique estates of distress, will each be reporting on the last two chapters and the outro of Making Sense of the Alt-Right by George Hawley. Um, Before we begin, I have general Proud Boy news. Because okay. I went off on a long Proud Boy tangent last week or last installment, mm-hmm. and now uh, I'm glad I did because they've been very active in the last month. Oh boy! Proud what? Boy news: There have been four confrontations with the Proud Boys in the past month. Two of them have been Portland. One was in Gresham, and then there was one I think the day before yesterday in Salem. Really. Uh, Thus far, the Proud Boys and other uh, Blue Lives fuckboys have deployed paintball guns, bear mace, and vehicular attacks, not to mention aluminum bats and asp batons. Uh, also, they make use of shields in the same way that anti-fascist activists do, except that their shields oftentimes have uh, nails driven through them so that they can deploy them as offensive weapons. Um, like a portable punji pit. Correct. Uh, Robert Evans got his hand broken by an alt-right fuckboy by the name of Travis Taylor, who, despite the fact that he was in mask, sunglasses, and hat, was ID'd 26 hours after he broke Evans' hand. (laughs) Um, And it's a really funny video because you can see the terror in this coward's eyes when he realizes that this towering journalist brandishing his bloody hand doesn't give a fuck like he's not scared of him and taylor slams his shield into evans twice and evans doesn't fucking move and you can see the other proud boys like moving moving in to defend travis because he has realized how fucked he is if he stays there yeah robert evans is a bear of a man he is absolutely massive in it yes Um, Uh, Oh, also that day, which was on August 22nd, Alan Swinney, uh, who was, when I talked about the Proud Boys using paintball guns on people, he was the guy doing that. Uh, Alan Swinney drew a loaded revolver, uh, hammer cocked finger on the trigger, and brandished it at anti-fascist protesters. Uh, He didn't shoot anybody, but, uh, you know, just some some foreshadowing. Because now we have to talk about August 30th, the Trump 20, uh, 2020 motorcade, and the shooting of Aaron J. Danielson, a Patriot prayer member who uh, was the suspect 
uh, Michael Forrest Reinhold or Reinhold. We'll get back to him. But um, Danielson was shot. Uh, it is a rumor. Uh, all of this is hearsay, but uh, the leftists tend to say that uh, Reinhold acted in self-defense. Danielson approached Reinhold armed in some way uh, with mace or a knife. He had both on him from what I, from what I've read uh, and Reinhold shot Danielson fatally and he died bleeding out. Um, an anti-fascist demonstrator uh, medic uh, was trying to uh, administer first aid to Danielson when the police forced her off him and he bled out uh, before uh, non-protest medics could arrive. Reinhold was then cornered by, I believe, a mixture of state troops and federal marshals and shot between 30 and 40 times. Well, happy ending. He was gangland-style executed by the state uh, for being a suspect in the murder of a right-wing protester. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. The best part is, too, it's that... It's not uh, good. It's not that, good. Uh, the Oregon State Police lied about body cam footage mm. in the murder of Michael Reinhold. Uh, so there's that also. Like, whether or not they had body cam footage is still up in the air because they denied having any, but then that may be a lie. And then also the stories that the marshals and the police gave differed from each other. Uh, so that's good. Um, also, uh, yeah, two days ago, there was a second truck fuck, uh, where, um, I would just like to say that I guess we're starting every week now with update on why the world is shit. That seems like an, well, I mean, like this is happening 20 minutes from my house. Like, like, yeah, you can't exactly turn it off. None of us off but yeah like in Salem which is a 40 minute drive from my house uh proud boys who drove from the Clackamas city center 20 minutes from my house uh actually closer to 40 but um they had tape over their license plates and they drove an hour from Clackamas to Salem uh on highways with all of them tape over their license plates. And when the U.S., or I'm sorry, when the Oregon State Police were asked why none of these dozens of vehicles received a traffic citation for illegally taping over their license plate, the spokesperson for the Oregon State Police said, and I quote, I have no idea. <laughs> Damn. Uh, yeah, then they proceeded. There was a showdown, a showdown, a standoff between maybe a dozen Black Lives Matter protesters and almost a hundred or so Proud Boys and Patriot Prayer affiliated uh, right wing demonstrators armed with AR 15s, aluminum bats, ass batons, bear mace, paintball guns, etc., wearing full Kevlar armor. Uh, and two of them by the names of Ty Parker and Travis Wolfskill attacked Salem anti-fascists, beating multiple of them with aluminum bats, pinning them to the ground and punching them in the head as they were down. Uh, And they were arrested by the Salem Police Department, detained for 10 to 15 minutes, and then released. This tires me. There were charges placed against them for assault, uh, however, um, maybe assault with a deadly weapon. I don't think they went that far, but they did not check them into the station. 
Abolish the police. Oh, the Salem Police Department. There's a great TikTok of a Salem Police Department sergeant, I believe, warning a pr- uh, the Proud Boys that they were about to start uh, tear gassing the left wing demonstrators, yeah. telling the Proud Boys, oh, "Y'all, y'all better get out of here because we're about to start tear gassing these lefties." Like, abolish the police. How is anyone standing up for cops? <laughs> I don't know. How? It's fucking insane. Uh, like, did I tell you uh, what Ted Wheeler, uh, mayor of Portland and also police commissioner of Portland, uh, said? Mm-hmm. I feel um, like he shouldn't be both those things. Well, he got to a no. point. He's the mayor. And so the mayor gets to a point who the police commissioner is. And so he chose himself. <laughs> hey, he's back in his own horse. He fucking sucks. Himself. Um, <laughs> uh but yeah, no. Um, <laughs> uh, Ted Wheeler gave an official statement when basically he was asked, hey, Alan Swinney had a fucking gun on the 22nd. Why didn't you guys, I don't know, step out? this? Because this happened less than 100 feet from the Justice Center, I believe. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but it happened like on the steps of the police headquarters and there was not a cop in sight until 30 minutes after the Proud Boys left, and then the police came out and started firing tear gas at the left-wing protesters. Um, And uh, Tear Gas Ted uh, responded to that question by saying that the police didn't have the resources to police both at night and during the day. So the police were too tired from brutalizing you during protests to stop you from being attacked by the Proud Boys. I hate that pivot because they're like, well, if you just gave us more money, maybe it wouldn't happen. Ooh. Like, um, you're the problem. Another really charming thing that he said was like, this seems like a lose-lose situation for the police because <laughs> if they do too little, if, if they do too much, you accuse us of brutality. But if we do too little, you get mad at us for not protecting you from the fascists. I don't see how we can win here. Like... The only good cop is Olivia Benson from SVU, and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Ice-T. Also, I don't know if you've seen this article, but it's been fucking everywhere. Um, A former FBI agent uh, came forward. I believe his last name was, uh, yeah, Michael German, a former FBI agent, uh, has basically said that U.S. law enforcement is compromised. Uh, It's just overrun (laughs) with white supremacists. We know, oh, Mr. German. Um, but, like, this is an FBI report from, like, 2005. And don't quote me on that because I'm not sure uh-huh. exactly. But this is from over a decade ago. And this guy's like, our law enforcement is overrun with white supremacists. Oh, it's God. fully infiltrated. It's compromised. Not to be trusted. And this, is what, this was a decade ago. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Even before the 2016 election. Do we want to get started on the text, Colin? Uh, is there anything else? Is uh, there any other news? Uh, yeah, uh, nope, we're good. Oh, um, awesome. Also, as a disclaimer, uh, I got really mad at George during these chapters. Me too, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I would also like to apologize. I went back and listened to our first edition of this book. I was way too forgiving of modern conservatives. <laughs> Looking back on it now and having read the whole book, oh, Colin is doing a power pose for our listeners at home. He's like, He's I read his seven foot wingspan to the <laughs> sky. 
he was just toasting his own victory and admitting I was wrong. Because um, since having now finished this book, I agree with you completely that Holly is kind of too forgiving. And oh, yeah. modern events, like, it is clear to see how the conservative party he's discussing in this book does not match the one that we know today. <laughs> yeah. Now, that was the first thing I wrote down from this chapter. Most of my notes were in all caps for this chapter. <laughs> my first note was parentheses around his statement, quote, Trump is not a fascist. Me, eh, disagree. How many parentheses? Many. <laughs> not two. <laughs> not two parentheses. <laughs> yeah, no, my first note, because uh, he, he goes on and on in the first chapter, and he's like, yeah, no, Trump is not part of the alt-right. He's so not. Like, we shouldn't call him that. But, like, all right, people do love him. And I'm like, what's this weird defense that's going on? And then I, like, is throughout the whole book where it really kicks it up a notch by the end. Because it's like, I, I understand the importance of using language correctly and, like, having the right definitions. Otherwise, everything's meaningless, you know? And I think he makes, like, the Hitler comparison. If you call everyone you don't like Hitler, like, it doesn't mean anything. But he's, he's way too kind. Mm-hmm. He's like, let's be clear. And I'm like... I think Donald is more of a Mussolini. I would agree. I think, I think, yeah. The rhetoric. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I agree that Donald Trump is more of a Mussolini figure than a Hitler because he has no real ideology. He says what his constituents want to hear. And he banks on his charisma in air quotes. He's a personality more than he is a politician. Yes, also, they have a lot of, like, really hilarious other similarities, like... Aesthetic similarities. Like Bond villain uh, <laughs> headquarters. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think, I think that American fascism, as I said in our Umberto Eco episode, is derived from German Nazism in a lot of really alarming ways, like literally these guys LARPed wearing SS uniforms in the eighties. Um, yeah. But I think that our fascist, our, our, the guy who is legitimizing it is, I think he is more of a Mussolini or more of a Franco. He's more of like a, a standard authoritarian. Mm-hmm. Who you say uses- Franco, do you mean Dave or James Franco? <laughs> <laughs> I think James is the fascist. I don't think Dave is... <laughs> James Franco's going to be up in your DMs with a defense. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. How dare you? It's obviously Dave. <laughs> that's, the, that's the name of our next podcast, is determining which of the Franco brothers is a fascist. Too many Francos, too many fascists. Um, so this first, uh, chapter five, discusses the alt-right in the 2016 election and the ways in which, although... As again, as Holly claims so convincingly that Trump is not part of the alt right, but he describes why the alt right likes him just so much and what his victory in the 2016 election did for the alt right. Um, and I would like to, if I may, call attention to uh, the word cloud that he puts. Uh, <laughs> one of my notes, I. <laughs> Literally, I just wrote down, I hate the word cloud. And when I was reading that back, I was like, I hate the word cloud? Why do I hate clouds? And then I remembered (laughs) the word cloud. Mm -hmm. Um, For those listening at home that have not picked up the book or are following along, on page 120, he says that he collected a focus group, basically, of tweets from the alt-right 
that were referencing Trump, you generated a word cloud and the 75 most common words appeared. And the largest word by far is white. Right beneath it, Trump. And I'd say third place, supremacists. So like... (laughs) Also, some, uh, some quality ones are decapitate, sodomize. Uh, well, listen, is it really a good word cloud if the word sodomize isn't in there at least once? <laughs> right. You know, when they actually made a word cloud of my most recent text, sodomize was the largest word. <laughs> yeah, you're goddamn right, brother. <laughs> brother. Um, United West Against Islam is another one. Yikes. Why is Yikes. that? Is, was that a hashtag? It's all one. I think it was a hashtag. I think it's, it's all a hashtag. <laughs> what a lengthy hashtag. Gamergators. I'm sorry. That's, oh, no, that's something that the alt-right does, is they have, like, you could generate the name of any number of fascist parties by just rolling a D100 and consulting a chart of words like national, peoples, association, crusade, Islam, like it's like one of those name games where it's like your princess name is <laughs> the first letter of your last name and the month you were born. Nationalist yeah, sodomy. You roll, you know, a thirty-seven, a forty-eight, and a sixteen, and it's <laughs> the People's Crusade against Eastern corruption or something. You know, it's yeah. it's always. It's the fucking word bank of semi-historical bullshit. Also, um, one of the things, uh, my all caps notes for uh, when, when uh, George said, quote, Trump is not a fascist, a Nazi, or a white nationalist, uh, my, my, uh, my notes were as follows. <clears throat> George, what the fuck? Fascism is incremental. They don't start as death camps. And we already have concentration camps. I then repeat myself, bro, what the absolute fuck? The creator of Godwin's Law said that it doesn't apply to Trump. Stephen Miller is an avowed white nationalist, as is Gorka, as is fucking Bannon, you absolute cuck. Yeah, all Holly will will say is, quote, "Uh, Trump violated conventions and helped normalize nativist rhetoric. But that's as far as he'll commit. And you're like, like he did Why? that, honey. Like, step by step, hon. I actually, I thought it was interesting because on that note, I wanted to bring up a discussion question. Um, one thing that he hammers a lot in this chapter, especially, and as you said, is he normalized being wild in politics. He normalized edginess in politics. And I put in brackets a tally code on 117. He showed that the right could win without following the game plan that had been crafted by Republican elites, which to me reads that the Republicans gatekeeping apparatus was simply not powerful enough, as we discussed in the last chapter, which brings me to the question, is there a positive aspect to gatekeeping? In general or here specifically? I would say not here specifically, because I would argue in this case, probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in general, it's harder to argue yes, but are there other cases in which it is good to restrict someone from a platform? Is it too close to censorship? But if we had, if the Republican like purging apparatus had been more effective, Trump See, might not. See, I'm all about um, the uh, 
the concept of enforced egalitarianism or forceful egalitarianism, which is you will respect other people, you motherfucker, or I will fuck you up. Like mm-hmm. it's the it's the the threat of retribution for violating another person's rights. But retributive justice doesn't necessarily better a society. Well, I mean, hunter-gatherer societies for thousands of years uh, executed uh, those who got out of hand in, uh, in the defense of egalitarianism. And we have developed past that system. Why, Colin? That's a really good question. Um, actually, it's, I, I can't believe you haven't seen it yet, knowing that we watch all the same content. ContraPoints, my wife, um, she recently released a video called Justice Part One. I, uh, I did watch it. Well, in that video, you wouldn't know. <laughs> she states that one of the big reasons that we had to move past a lawless system of retributive justice is because there were blood feuds that would end entire families because the Hammurabi concept of an eye for an eye simply does not work in modern society. An eye for an eye leaves the whole world fucking blind. So if we punish the people that do wrong, even if it's a grievous wrong, such as rape, murder, etc., with an equivalent punishment that is meant more to persuade others from not doing the same than it is to heal that individual person, that's dangerous. See, I'm all for reforming Nazis. I think that you can't engage with a cancerous ideology like that without uh, a a healing path because to fight them is what they want. Uh, And we'll get to to my uh, tactical analysis at at the end of the book uh, Mm because Holly does does reference tactics. Um, But I think that um, you need a two-pronged approach. You either need to completely ignore them and Mm -hmm. have the reforming mechanisms in place just let them be horrible off in their little corner and when they realize that nobody gives a fuck they can kind of come out from that but we're too late for that because the cancer has metastasized yeah but it concerns me because as he says in this chapter again one of the largest things that brought the alt-right into the mainstream was hillary clinton's speech condemning them so i would say that's what brought the alt-right, you know, the trolls individually, people like Baked Alaska, Mike Cernovich, fucking Mike Enoch, the other one who's Matthew Heimbach, all of these, which he never fucking got into Heimbach. Anyway. Um, explain? Because I don't get that joke. No, Matthew Heimbach was, he was instrumental in unifying the the movement that would be called the alt-right. You know uh, how there was that big deal about how um, Baked Alaska couldn't get into the deplorable? No, I don't. He, he mentions it briefly. There's a uh-huh. right-wing pundit called Baked Alaska who couldn't get into the deplorable because he was too much of a Nazi. Um, and uh, But like that crowd. Uh, Heimbach was among them. He was he was one of the like puppet masters behind Spencer, and to call him a puppet master gives him altogether too much credit. Um, mm-hmm. But he was one of the more influential ones of those guys. When uh, Baked Alaska came up, all I could think is, isn't that someone from Drag Race? And I've never seen the show, so I get it's not right. Oh no, you're thinking of Alaska Thunderfuck Five Thousand. <laughs> I love Alaska Thunderfuck Five Thousand. This different. reference evades me. 
If you can make references that evade me, Anna and I can make references that evade you, Colin. <laughs> but you're saying that Hillary kind of legitimized the more trollish side of the alt-right by calling them out? Oh, right. That's where my idea was going. Uh, she legitimized the individual trolls, mm-hmm. but their ideology would have already, the ideology would have gotten into the White House either way. Like, the ideology rides in Donald Trump. His, whether or not his stupid little gremlins uh, actually are legitimized, that was more of Hillary. But, but Donald... So you don't think she's at all to blame for the sudden surge? Listen of- here, Jack. I think Hillary Clinton's to blame for a lot of things. <laughs> Woof! Listen... I'm not saying I'm with her, but I'm certainly not with him, so... Oh, absolutely not, brother. I just, uh, no, I, I think that uh, a milk toast technocrat might not have been the best uh, tactical decision for the Democratic Party in the year of our Lord 2016. Mm-hmm. That's my new drag name, uh, Milk Toast Technocrat. <laughs> Thank you. But um, I think that there's certainly something to be said for Donald Trump's victory, regardless of his connection with the alt-right or not, kind of legitimizing them even in their own eyes. Oh, yeah. I mean, a- the, after he refused to uh, distance himself from them at Charlottesville, it is, yes. Um, uh, after he refused to distance himself from the alt-right at Charlottesville, uh, 4chan blew up with the phrase, he loves us. Oh, God. They're all just looking for a father figure. They found one that's orange. I can't blame them. (laughs) There's a big old block quote on page 128 I would like to touch on before moving on, um, which is from an alt-right essayist that remains unnamed that says, so, yes, it is good that Donald Trump won, and I have been hearing talk on the alt-right about whites now having a decade or two of breathing room in order to fend off their own demographic demise. We should not think of it that way. Until proven otherwise, we should consider a Trump presidency as little more than a hiccup on this tragic slide to white irrelevance. A four-year-long, scandal-filled, orange and blonde hiccup. However, right-wingers in the alt-right need to grab the Trump administration by its red tie and shake it until it does what we want it to do. In other words, we are not outsiders anymore. Scary! And we think the alt-right meet with Trump shortly after his inauguration, like a couple of leaders... That's the hard part with the alt-right. Because it's not an organized group. It's not an organization, but like he's had, I mean, Stephen Miller's been in the Trump office for three years now, since 2017. Mm -hmm. And Stephen Miller is about as devout an alt-right person as you can be, which Hawley tries to say isn't, isn't a case. Uh, he tries to he tries to say that Stephen Miller is not, as a matter of fact, a white supremacist. Which, bro, please, the Southern Poverty Law Center has like a dozen fucking articles on Stephen Miller. You absolute clod, George, get your he shit together. Says, he even says that he and Richard Spencer went to the same college and that Spencer loves him. Like, <laughs> not that going to the same college makes you culpable. In that case, I'd be culpable a lot, but. It, they hung out. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, yeah. before one of those quotes, uh, one of my favorite uh, Holly things is, um, it's about the word cloud. Mm. This word cloud also demonstrates the alt-right's fondness for profanity. I, 
I think my note there was, again, in all caps, don't be such a pearl-clutching lib. Uh, <laughs> because I, I'm going to lose my mind. This... Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, also on page 121, he cites a tweet posted by, I, I think the username was like White Genocide 1488 or something ridiculous. It White didn't Genocide have, TM. Yeah, White Genocide <laughs> TM. Trademark. And he was like, although the tweet did not have any racist content. And I'm like, you absolute egg. The concept of white genocide is inherently racist, George. You can't just, you can't just fucking spring that and then be like, there wasn't any racism in the tweet itself. And I'm like, unless you're differentiating the username from the tweet, which is a semantic level of fuckery that I find, this is not the first time or last time I will do this, irresponsible mm-hmm. I call George irresponsible a lot yeah there was I also a point yeah. um where he was like Alex Jones not a racist we don't know that he's never been racist which I was is like, funny because he cites what? Paul Joseph Watson as alt-light and Paul Joseph Watson has his fucking tenure on Infowars George we all listen I I would agree at this point that irresponsible is a good word to use in a lot of Holly's rhetoric. I will not call him that myself just because I feel like one of us needs to be the moderate here. Um, but I will, I, before we move on maybe to the next chapter, to the next section, there's, I, there's a big old paragraph that I put in quotes and wrote debate next to because I have a feeling you're going to enjoy it. Colin specifically, Anna might love it as well. Um, here we go. Colin, put your knife away, please. <laughs> oh, for the viewers at home, Colin's just casually holding a knife for some reason. Listen He's playing here, with the knife the whole time. If, bra- <laughs> if Robert Evans gets to brandish a machete on his show, I get to play with a three and a half inch uh, fucking folding knife, okay? This get is a butterfly a- knife or no dice. But, bro, if anything, I would get a cool. fixed bladed like Bowie knife. Actually, long racist history on that one. I'd probably go for like a kukri or something because those are badass. I'm going to start swinging my knitting needles to feel included, okay? Yeah. <laughs> every, time, every time you brandish that knife, I'm just going to take a huge swig of this vape, Colin. You are committing to my nicotine we've all got We've all got our props that we're using around here. <laughs> we've all got our stimming tools. We're all just trying to keep our hands busy. Okay. But we needed to quote. Here's that big old quote. All right, on page 132. I recognize that some will remain unsatisfied with my argument, and a number of talented and respected writers have argued that the Trump administration is, in fact, a white nationalist regime. I think this claim is mistaken. More importantly, I believe clarity and precision in language are useful, and the overuse of terms such as fascist, Nazi, and white supremacist hinder productive political discussions. This is what Anna was discussing earlier. Mm -hmm. Skipping ahead a bit... In my view, both comparisons to George W. Bush being compared to Adolf Hitler and Trump being compared to Hitler are absurd. More importantly, this kind of rhetoric tends to shut down conversation. Few reasonable people people will care to engage with an ideologue that casually smears his political opponents as Nazis. I want to debate this. Is it truly hindering the cause to call people what they are? It's certainly not absurd. I don't think it's... That was a bold word choice from to be like, it's absurd to call them these things. And I'm like, I don't think it's... So are you guys familiar with Godwin's Law? No. You said it earlier and I don't know what it is. Godwin's Law is an internet adage 
uh, invented by Godwin or whatever the fuck his name is. Uh, It's an internet adage asserting that, quote, as an online discussion grows longer, the probability of a comparison involving Nazis or Hitler's approaches one, essentially. It's going to happen. It's it's that rule of the first person to call their opponent a Nazi loses the argument. Godwin himself, the guy who invented the law, came forward in an interview and said, "My, my rule does not apply to Donald Trump. The guy who made the rule about comparing your political opponents to Nazis came forward and said, guys, it doesn't count if they're actual Nazis. (laughs) Like if it's a, if, if they are doing, if it quacks like a fucking duck. You sound like my dad just then. It walks like a duck. (laughs) I got upset when you were talking, bit my lip and now I'm bleeding. Oh, (laughs) She got made too thirsty at the, thought of, at the thought of um, accurately calling someone a Nazi. I know, just ripping my skin off. I can't wait. <clears throat> oh, just so excited to call him a Nazi. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> See, so- I, I think his, it's interesting what he's, like, I think trying to get at. Like, how can we have a productive discussion if we're, like, calling them what they are? That's not what he would say. But if we're, like, using these terms and comparisons... Oh my God, there's so much blood. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so like, this is a question I've been asking myself a lot. Like, what is my duty as an individual to try to, (laughs) to try to appeal to these people who just have off the rails ideas and talking points? Like, am I supposed to try to talk them down and be like, no, I see where you're coming from. Like, but maybe listen to me. Like, I don't mm. think that's worthwhile, but also, like, coming at them full 100% with reality Doesn't isn't helpful either, mm-hmm. necessarily. So, I like, you know? It's hard to negotiate. Yeah. At this point in my life, I've started leading with the big questions. Mm-hmm. Because when I think of, like, let's use the example of abolition. Like, when someone's like, the cops that shot the... A black person, most likely, um, deserve to go to jail. I say, well, okay, does anyone deserve to go to jail? And if they can engage with a larger question more subtly, then there's more room. But Mm -hmm. if, or it's like, you know, if a black person is shot and the first thing someone says is, well, they weren't an angel, here's their criminal record. If the first big question you ask is, do criminals deserve to die? And they can't agree with you on a large, vague question like that, then I think, that's when you see this such an ideological divide that you may not be able to pursue that line of reasoning. Yeah. Cause at a certain point, I'm like, you have a personal reckoning you need to come to and I don't, I can try, but yeah. I don't think you want to hear me. Yeah. I, uh, so. I have a close friend who, uh, whose father is a Trump supporter and uh. he, he offered to compile for him a list of reputable news articles disproving all of his talking points. Uh-huh. And his father said, and I quote, uh, and I quote, don't bother. I won't read it. Yep. I have a friend with like conservative family and they're like, Hey, like, where are you getting information from? Like, I'd love to read articles from your point of view. I can even give you some. And they're like, no. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's facts versus feelings, you know? The, the pubs, the repubs, love to say that, you know, 
facts don't care about your feelings, but in the end, it's a feeling. It's a feeling that you have that you like Trump and you're not going to listen to the facts. It's a feeling that you have that you think, like, deep inside you, there's a lot of racism there. And you're like, what do the black men do? Actually, brother, that's not facts, baby. Hillary Clinton is part of a baby stealing cabal. And they're trying to infiltrate our minds. You know, they've got the fluoride in the water, you know, brother. Pizza gate. Pizza gate. The wildest thing about all the baby, like, pedophile conspiracies, it's like we have a real pedophile conspiracy. Like, we got Epstein. We know that for a fucking fact. And we know and all the people. it's not babies. And he was, it's not babies. It's, it's, it's prepubescent children. children. Or, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, they're children, but they're not babies. Because so, this is a boring dystopia in which we live. Oh, God. <laughs> Tear dystopia yet. We're not at Dune levels. Also, <laughs> brief note, I am so infinitely disappointed that Timothy Chalamet is in Dune. Who cast him? I don't know. I think Who he'd make a him? decent young Paul. Yeah, but that's only because young Paul is supposed to be like bland white man stand-in. Yeah. You know who I'm excited for? Zendaya. Oscar Isaac. Oscar <gasps> Isaac. Oh. <gasps> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you just turned a switch in me. Okay. <laughs> oh, his fucking beard in his in his suit of uh, Atreides power armor. Mm. A nut. I did nut. <laughs> I still haven't seen the trailer, dude. Oh, also, quick sky update. Things are a little orange, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, I wouldn't I call that a Colin. boring dystopia, Colin. Yeah, your dystopia's got a red fucking sky. That's pretty neat. I know. Yeah, it's just hell. <laughs> Cinematic, baby. You are in Avernus right now. <laughs> okay, but moving on. What else do we want to touch on in this chapter before we go on to the next? There's a 40K reference. Is there? Where? Oh, wait, no, I remember that. Yeah, uh, Trump supporters love calling Donald Trump their god emperor unironically, which is, as a matter of fact, a concept that 40K stole from Dune. Uh, but, uh, I don't trust chuds to read Dune. Um, they probably are stealing the concept of God Emperor Trump from 40K. I have seen images of the God Emperor from 40K with Trump's face superimposed on it. Mm -hmm. It's It's like, you know, that's a bad guy, right? Also, canonically, the God Emperor is Kurdish. So So not white. (laughs) No, he's not white, but, uh, don't. The, 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 well, neither's Donald. Donald's orange. Uh, Donald is a lot of things. Donald is ethically ambiguous. <laughs> well, I mean, he kind of did do an Ariana Grande, you know? He did do an Ariana Grande. Oh, we might be careful with that one. People still stand her. Don't yeah. be mean to Ariana. <laughs> She's a talented vocalist. <laughs> well, she is. I'll give her that. That's true. Yeah. I, I have nothing else to argue about Ariana, but she's That's a, a fact. <laughs> got a voice on her. <laughs> she's got pipes. Mm, you know what she also got? A dump truck. Ah. Just kidding. No, no, no. no. She's queen of um, the No comment. <laughs> this, is, nope. this is not the political climate for me to be commenting on other people's bodies. Also, that's just kind absolutely. of a fucked up thing to do anyway. Never comments on anyone's bodies, even if they're in the public figure. Ariana uh, Grande 
Sunday, I reject, I retract my claim about your presence or lack thereof of a dump truck ass. Also, uh, unless you're my friend, in which case I will respond to your Instagram thirst traps with uh, gifts of that wolf. You know, the one who howls in the cartoon. He pounds the table with a chair and a hammer and also his forehead because he's the real originator. horny. The, the originator cartoon? of the term wolf whistle. Yeah, that. I will send you gifts of that if you post a, a sexy picture on your Instagram and you're my Are friend. Are you asking Well, or I gotta telling? start posting thirst traps now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fuck. <laughs> I was like, are you asking or telling me? Like, no, this is, this is something that I, I've already been doing to my friends, and uh, wow. they hate it. Hey, I haven't gotten any Wolf Whistle gifts. You calling. haven't posted any thirst traps. Fuck, you're right. <laughs> Give me the thirst traps and nobody gets hurt. Put the knife away. I can see your iridescent keyboard reflection. Yeah, um, and I can see the classic man keyboard. And I don't the like rainbow. It. Oh, the rainbow nice. keyboard, the five monitors, and you're like, okay, I get it. Listen here, why, Jack, oh, I can't afford why? five monitors. I need money for gas masks. Uh, oh, <laughs> why all gamer boys look like Mountain Dew? Anyway, we move forward. Oh, the only other note I had was fuck the Electoral College, obviously. Yes. Oh, yeah, bet, bet. Who would have thought that an electoral system invented by slave owners for slave owners 250 years ago might have some flaws? <gasps> Who would have thunk it? Literally anyone. <laughs> well, we can't change it. We can't. Uh, we can't change. The, the Constitution is, is sacred. <laughs> can't change it, brother. The Constitution is dead, dead, dead. You guys ever miss Scalia? I don't. <laughs> I uh, think about the day that Antonin Scalia died, and I remember, I think I was 17 years old, and I remember going, ha! Like, oh. And I remember that being the first time I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't be cheering for another man's death. Yeah. Uh-oh. People really took that one and ran with it, and I was like, I feel like we shouldn't, like, don't get me wrong, bad, bad man. I mean, when Margaret Thatcher died, Ding Dong the Witch is Dead from uh, fucking Wizard of Oz <laughs> became, uh, like, in the top ten uh, most played songs in on UK radio for like months afterwards. Legendary. Damn. Yeah, when Scalia died, I was ready to laugh, and then I saw Ruth Bader Ginsburg's response to it, and she was like, "We were actually good friends. We had different opinions. We both liked the opera." And you were like, "Yeah." At the time, I was like, "Wow, what a forgiving woman! Like, what a figure of grace." Now I'm kind of like, "Why were you friends with him? Like, yeah. you good girl? What?" Like, you don't have to be friends with them. Yeah. yeah. It's time to cut the racists out of your life. It's 2020. And Colin's knife is at the screen once again. 